I feel like you defining it is probably in everybody's best interest. So, um, uh, yeah, so I don't, I mean, I think, uh, so Whitney, if you want to kind of kick things off, uh, the idea of incivility and what, what do you have like an official definition? Is this like a, an official definition? Or is this kind of your spin on it? Um, just to get things started with a few statistics. So there is this study that was done by the Society for Human Resources Management, SHRM, also known as. Um, they spotlighted a study that was done called the Age of Rage. And in 1998, it was stated that 25% of employees in this study um, said that they were treated rudely once a week. In 2011, that increased to 55%. And in 2016, that increased to 62%. So we don't have a 2017, 2018 of, of what the age of rage would be at this moment in time, but 2016 is relatively um, close to where we are now in 2018. So that's where we're at. And um, as far as just the definition of incivility, the Webster's Dictionary uh, defines it as the quality or state of being uncivil. I hate when they use the word to describe the word, but here's a couple of other definitions. A rude or discourteous act, rude or unsociable speech or behavior. So let's go ahead and get started with that, Joey. Uh, first question, how many people think that they're actually being incivil? I think, I don't know. In the workplace, is this something that they just, they're just maybe unaware of the kind of the abrasiveness of their actions or opinions? Is this something that is intentional? Do we have any kind of insight on that? That's a really good question. Um, so as far as the reviews that are, the information I've looked at, um, it, it doesn't say do they, if they know per se that they're being rude, but I would imagine the majority of us have a little bit of an idea as to if we're being rude um, to another person. However, what I will say, Joey, this might be a little helpful. Thank you for asking that because how does it manifest? So I'm looking at an, a document from the Association of ERGs and Councils. And essentially it says, here's some examples. So rudeness being one example, treating a subordinate like a child, uh, berating a subordinate or coworker, making unfounded accusations, gossiping, excluding coworkers or team members, interrupting people, jamming a printer or copier and letting someone else deal with it, use of demeaning language, creating unnecessary and irrelevant controversy, mocking a coworker. Um, so has anybody dealt with this like firsthand? Do you have like an experience to where, you know, Alex and Quincy to where, you know, either you've experienced this firsthand or you've seen it happen to somebody else in the workplace to where it's just like, whoa, things got really uncomfortable really fast. I mean, if you have more than two people working in a, in an office, it's uh, pretty sure you're going to eventually find a situation where, um, one is going to say something, whether they are doing it on purpose or, or, or they're not filtering themselves as much. I mean, I guess there's a, there's something to be said of, you know, in my, you know, Alex DePazzo's definition of civility, um, you know, some of, you know, some of that comes in, it's not necessarily saying everything that comes out your head, <laughs> putting that filter on, um, you know, understanding who's, uh, who's around and, 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 and what that effect of those words might be. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've had, you know, one coworker, 
quite literally, you know, berate another coworker because of their child, you know, their parenting preferences <laughs> or um, their choices of, of what, what they did over the weekend with, uh, uh, you know, with, with the money they made, um, with the money that they make and earn, uh, you know, and, and whether or not those are the right lifestyle choices. And obviously that's, you know, uncivil, <laughs> you know, just not, no need for that <laughs> at, at the office. No. So do you, I mean, this is kind of what I'm thinking Like, you know, a lot of this is, I mean, people, what it come down to, I'm just kind of trying to figure out what might be at the core of this. And there's a lot of it stemming from, and I'm Quincy, I'm interested in what you kind of think, you know, usually it kind of surrounds people's insecurity and their own opinions and beliefs to where they kind of, they're not sure how to handle themselves in that situation. I, you know, everything that I've ever really kind of heard, you know, come out of your mouth, Quincy is it's like, man, listen, I know what I'm, I know what I'm saying. I know what I'm doing and I know why I kind of feel this way. Um, is, is that, does that take practice and time? And do you maybe agree with that or disagree with that? What do you think maybe just maybe a little more time and thoughtfulness needs to be put into, they've got to understand why they're feeling these things in the first place to where they would have a natural reaction to be kind of less than pleasant. Oh, wow, Joe. Well, the, the loaded gun has been passed. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think Alex's point is, is right on point. I said, when you got an office that's more than two people, you're going to run and stuff like that. And, and I, I'll just say this for, well, you asked for an example. You had a prime example. We meet, we have a staff meeting every Monday morning. And so we go to sort of go around the table and just sort of share some things and without naming names, because you might listen to this podcast. You know, one of the staff members shared something about, something she was working on or something she had some challenges with. And before she real, uh, in my humble opinion, before she realized it, on one of the other team members, she turned to her in a joking manner, but said, Oh my, yeah. Cause you really struggle with that. And everybody else in the room caught it. Like, Whoa, Hey, like, like what are you saying that for? Like blah, blah. And good thing that the, the other staff member, she didn't take it personal, but I mean, to that point, I, I, I think honestly, Joey, Man, some people just don't know what they don't know. <laughs> um, and and while I think some people do do it intentionally, you know, how that old saying go, people say, this, this is who I am, just deal with it, so to, so to speak. But unfortunately, in today's society, you just can't, you can't live by that code anymore. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the person that's like 120 pounds soaking wet saying, man, I really got to lose five pounds, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, it could be something like that, or it could be, um, you know, uh, something. Something. Um, I was in a place uh, this weekend where I felt, uh, I think, maybe a little too overly comfortable, um, and we were sharing about, you know, things that were going on in our lives, and I was describing the way I purchased my my, my most recent vehicle. Um, and uh, my wife is an amazing uh, haggler. She is, I mean, I don't have anything to do with it. When they look at me, I look at them and I'm saying, I'm only here to do math. Um, you know, uh, you know, she's the one who you got to please uh, with the purchase, right? So the, the you know, and in my description of it, I kind of noticed one of, one of the people we were with whose face started to not, you know, go down or anything, but just slightly harden, uh, for lack of a better description. And, and then uh, later on in that conversation, I realized why. So they've been struggling with money. And, and, and even though I wasn't talking about huge dollars by anybody's streak of the imagination, the fact that I was able to purchase a brand new car, I was able to do it in a way that was really advantageous to me because of my position, my, my you know, the opportunities that I've been able to take advantage of, um, 
it just it it weighed on them and so sometimes you don't even mean it at all <laughs> you know you could just be completely oblivious to it and still just walk into a situation where where you where you realize you don't realize that you should be a bit more um conscious of the audience uh that you're trying to get through I was just going to say, I like um, what Quincy just said about how sometimes people feel like, oh, you know, well, this is just me. This is how I act. You need to just learn that this is how I am. I'm not trying to, per se, be rude or insensitive to other people. That's just me. But how when you're at work, yeah, you don't, per se, have the option to be um, just you if, if that behavior could potentially be damaging to other employees. So with that being said, um, an example that I have that... Um, to this day, and this happened a little while ago, um, like, yeah, it happened a while ago, more than a couple of years ago, but I still, it still bothers me that this ever happened. I was in a meeting um, among a, a, a lot of executives and um, went to go grab my business cards to ensure that before I presented, people knew who I was. Um, Everyone else had passed out their business cards. I had forgotten mine, so went and grabbed my business cards. I came right back into the room, and uh, these were visitors that were visiting our office. And long story short, after I presented, um, there were a lot of really nice things that were said from some of the executives in the room, and um, everyone left, and there were four people, four guests that were in the room. And out of the four guests, one particular individual left my business card and only my business card on the table. And this particular individual just kind of was, was, in my opinion, even just uh, scrolling back through that day over and over again, was, was a, she was, uh, I guess, the highest ranking person in the room. And that really bothered me. So that was number one that bothered me. But what bothered me even more than that was after she, they, this group left the room, I had a coworker who happened to be in the room when I saw that. And I ended up saying something, I was speaking out loud and I said, I can't believe that person left my, my card on the table. How rude was that? And um, this coworker who's older than me um, and yeah, we'll just say older than me, um, pretty much said, well, honey, this person is, you know, one underneath the CEO and this is a vice president and almost making attempting to make me be okay with the fact that this individual left my uh, business card on the table. And my whole thing is I care less if she threw the business card after she left the room, but the fact that she left my business card and only my business card on the table and I wasn't the only person on my level that was in the room was very offensive to me. And what made it even more offensive is that my coworker, pretty much validated what the individual did. So that's um, incivility in the workplace as far as something that was very personal for me and really, really rubbed me in the wrong way. Definitely, definitely throw the business card out on your own time. I think that's like social etiquette number one, like anything, right? Even like if it's like a, hey, I got you a thing of French fries and even if you don't want it, just throw it out later, right? 
feels like the nice thing to do. Wait. Well, yeah. Well, but it, it goes to what you were asking before. I think Joey, um, it 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 isn't. I don't think it's natural um, to to uh, to think about now business cards in particular. Obviously, I, I I'm, I'm completely and and you know, obvi- you know, there are certain things that you want to do in certain positions that you don't want the people who may be quote unquote uh, beneath you as far as level is concerned. Uh, it, employee hierarchy of employees um you know you don't want to make sure as a, as a leader you never make them feel that, that that that's not the case but i think that from just in let's say a peer-to-peer situation um i think it takes a lot of practice it, like conscious effort to start to think in a way that allows you to be more receptive to those to the to the uh, signals that are being sent out by the people around you to help you um, better uh, respond, react, or you know, uh, you know, find out ways to to make sure you're communicating effectively for you know the work that you're trying to do or the relationships that you're trying to build. Um, it's not something that I think comes well. Let me put it this way: it doesn't come naturally to me. Uh, I, I um, you know, it's something that I work on uh, pretty actively, trying to uh, you know be again. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to change who I am. Uh, it's not necessarily going to mean it's going to change the meaning of what I'm trying to say, but it may change the way I say it. I don't know if I necessarily agree with what I'm about to say, but I kind of, it's an interesting, I don't know what the balance is. Um, and, and the question is, is, you know, we, we talked about the, the rise of incivility, right? We've gone from, I think, you know, somewhere of like 20 or 30% to 60% now. And is it less about being more incivil or is it, are we becoming more sensitive to things that maybe uh, were just not part of our awareness? And is that, uh, is that, is that maybe an interesting way to, to frame the conversation? That's, that's a, a good question. question. Right. Very, very, very good, good question, question. Alex. Alex. I mean, I mean Joey, Joey, and I would say, say in my humble opinion, opinion, I think it's a, it's a, it's combination, a combination of both. <laughs> Um, but, but to, to the, the point, point that was made earlier, and I think I was, I was making, making that point, point. Joe, you, you asked the question, and I think it comes down to leadership awareness. You know, you know a lot of times, I love what, what I say, like, even though it may, it may not change, change the person, person as, as, as who I am, I am as, at some, some point, point, I need, I need to, be to be aware of what, what I'm portraying, what I'm giving across. You know, and that's, whether you're a CEO or whether you're a janitor, you know, because there's leadership at every level. Um, so, so and you, you being, being aware, aware of, okay, okay, what are my actions or what are my non-actions saying, even more, more importantly, you know, has to, has to be very, has to be something that's warranted. warranted. But to answer, to answer your other question, question in, this, in, this, in this case, and again, and again not, not to say that, that you're old, right, right, old, wrong, wrong, but I, but I do, do think we live in a place and space and time where there is oversensitivity, but then I also think we live in a place and space and time right now. What people, what people feel, feel very liberal, liberal to do and say, say what they, what's on the what's front, on the front of, their of their mind. And Lord knows I wish I had the magic wand, but I, that, that's because it's, it's scary. scary and, I, and I don't know when we're going to snap ourselves back to get some balance on that one. It's, I think, uh, what, was it, what is it that um, a Facebook prompts you with? It's, I think, uh, what, was it, what you, is it that, um, what do you think of today? Facebook or prompts you with? Before you, you post what's on your post, mind? What do you think uh, of today? Or, I, I, or what do you, um, what's on your mind? So it's what's on your mind. I think the, uh, the gamification, it, social, I, I, you know, uh, social media. 
it's it really does encourage us to say things. Gamification of social, um, you know, social media without the filter. It really does encourage and, us uh, to say and, things. And I don't know. I um, actually like. I really without the filter. I appreciate the way you, you were and, coming uh, at that. And, and I don't it, know. And, uh, and I actually like too, where I it may be or likely the way a little bit of coming at that. And Quincy's position too, where and we are more sensitive to a little bit of both. What it is that they're saying, people saying things more, and and we are more sensitive. Also, that idea that people just what it is that they're saying. I mean, everything and now has. And, uh, I think some of that fifteen also, that idea watch, that people uh, just you know some kind of political analysis. I mean, everything um, now has of something that was said uh, by any parties you watch any politician you know, whatsoever. Some kind You've of political analysis. You've got fifteen different people trying to pick um, apart the words of something that was said uh, as by to exactly what any the party intention behind them any politician whatsoever. Um, and and I think we've got fifteen that, different people more trying to pick apart the words. And I would even take it a step further in that today, in today's business practices the customer experience and customer service is more important, it appears, than it perhaps ever was before. Or perhaps it was very important in the 60s and then it decreased for, for a while as, and it was more so just making sure you had the right product. But either way, right now, it's very, very important. So just as important as it is when we purchase products, it's also important in the workplace for two reasons. Reason number one, Everything that whatever you, however your employees feel, that's going to trickle down into their performance, which is going to trickle down to your customers. So if your employees aren't per se um, have a, a heightened level of they don't feel respected and valued within their within their work, that's going to negatively impact your bottom line as far as your customers. But then also realizing that your employees are also customers. So we all have that culture of. All of us, we want to be served correctly or served respectfully, valued as customers, valued as people. And that's not just in being a customer, but then also as an employee, if that makes any um, sense on that piece. Well, I think that, the, that you sent us, Whitney, uh, two articles. Um, one was from the Harvard Business Review, an antidote to incivility. The other one I couldn't quite read because I only got to see like a preview of it. But but I remember going through the the uh, the Harvard Business Review one, and and talk and it, it approached the the issue of how to handle incivility from like two perspectives. One being the individual. I spent more time on that. I spent more time on that. I think than than anything else. But it also talked a little bit about how to handle that from a a, a, a business perspective. So how to do that with your team, and the importance of having a culture of civility because that is going to affect performance. It's going to affect how their customers are treated, similar to exactly what you were just saying. It, I'm just trying to, to um, you know, indicate that, you know, there are some of the studies that are going on out there um, definitely indicate that in order to be able to have um, your customers feel uh, less of that uh, blockage um, when, when they're dealing with you, this, the studies are showing that if you have that type of culture within your your office or your business, that you're that is going to um, pay dividends from that perspective. Yeah, and when you even think of certain um, businesses, so I know most recently MGM. I will never forget um, my first time being in uh, Vegas, which was just maybe th three years ago, and staying at one of the ho MGM hotels. And this is totally not an MGM plug by any stretch. But staying at one of the hotels, and I remember just the way that I was treated by so many different employees because they have a, a ton of staff. But I feel that it kind of seemed like every staff member, you know, 
smiled or said hello. And that was so weird to me. Well, thankfully, I was there for a diversity and inclusion conference. So later on, I got to hear from their director of diversity and inclusion. And mind you, this is a huge hotel. So it's not like they knew which individuals were coming for the DNI conference and who wasn't. And the uh, director of diversity and inclusion, she shared how when they do training amongst their um, employees, as Quincy um, brought up the point, whether you're the CEO or the janitor, they have this proverb, and I can't remember the actual proverb, but it means I see you, you matter. And that is what they, like throughout their onboarding process, they essentially drill that into their employees' minds and heads that no matter who you are within the MGM, uh, I don't want to say supply chain work chart, workflow chart, I see you, you matter, you are important to this organization. And I think that we all have some brands that we tend to gravitate gravitate to because we feel that there's a heightened level of customer service with those brands. And I would say behind closed doors, a lot of those brands are doing things amongst their employees that cause their employees to come to work on a in a different type of level as far as just that engagement and respect. So just putting that out there. Well, yeah, I mean, so what's interesting is um, that it's so obvious when it happens, right, Whitney? Like, it, it, I guess maybe because maybe we don't experience enough, but like, you know, like, that's something that sticks out over like six months of interacting with like all of the world, right? Like this MGM story. And it's, it's really hard to nail down uh, for people to like get that. Um, is there anything on a practical level, if, if it's a, you know, just a small agency trying to say, how do we, how do we make this true in our agency? Like, what are some of the things that we think might allow that to happen again there, the ICU moments for them? And, and is it as simple as just having that kind of mantra that they kind of put into people as they bring them into the fold? Well, Joy, I say this, this is Quincy. First and foremost, I want to thank Whitney for that great plug because there are a bunch of awesome people here in Las Vegas that just believe in hospitality all down the line. So Whitney, just, it's just great people here. So I don't know, you know, what, what is anything other than that. But no, I understand what you're saying about MGM. But I also think, Joy, when you asked that question, something came to mind. And it's a saying that I've heard that says, you know, once you taste something, you can't untaste it. And to Whitney's point, Whitney has taste what I would consider exceptional customer service. You know, so whether you stayed at the MGM or stayed at the Ritz-Carlton or whatever it is, you know, once you taste that, you can untaste it. So going back to your point, how do we help, you know, or how do we expose maybe our small business, you know, members, independent agents, whatever you want to call them, to that to that experience to the where once they've tasted, whether the CEO or whether the, the CSR or the county executive, whoever, once they've tasted, they now know, okay, this is what is expected. You know, and then now it becomes a training lesson even for our clients. Because, you know, in some instances, we may have to train our clients that, okay, what you thought was exceptional wasn't. You know, and, I, and I'll give a personal example. We do that all the time when it comes to, you know, getting business. We don't go in to sell insurance. We literally go in to displace the current broker or the current agent. And we're trying to expose, okay, those pain points to say, okay, what you're experiencing is not what you should be experiencing. By the way, come get the experience over here. Because once you taste it, Trust me, you, you, you won't untaste it, no matter what you have from getting on in. You know, once you've had filet, filet mignon, you know, hamburger is nice, 
but you're going to want it again sooner or later. <laughs> that brings up a really good point. And another thing I'll also put out there too, in addition to what Quincy just said, one of the things that was put out in, an, in a McKinsey uh, research study was the number one attribute that garnered commitment and engagement from employees was respect from their leaders. No other leadership behavior had a bigger effect on employees. Being treated with respect was more important to employees than recognition and appreciation, communicating an inspiring vision, providing useful feedback, or even providing opportunities for learning, growth, and development. Respect was the most important piece, being respected by that leader. Well, and, you know, I think that's it, Whitney. I think, you know, the, the, maybe the, the, the unfortunate truth of this whole thing is that, you know, we could have 50 people in one company hear this and, and, and agree with it. But if it's not the right, you know, person, that single person that sits at top, it's going to be nearly impossible to have any sort of lasting impact on the company, at least, you know, from everybody that I've talked to, from everything that I've heard, from everything that I've kind of witnessed myself. Um, do you guys, do you guys think that's true? I mean, if, if, let me, let me, let me phrase it another way. Um, you know, you guys obviously have a way that you want to r go about running your business and things like that. If, if something is brought to you, I mean, w what what would the scenarios have to be to where, you know, somebody in your staff would change the culture from the bottom up versus it coming from the top down? Well, mine's is, you know, I have a, a much smaller agency. There's eight of us. Um, we encourage. So we have an active call out. Um, to everyone in the office um, so that if there is something that they want to help the team as a whole um, grow with, that we, we will set aside time to be able to do that, right? So it, usually it ends up being something like some cool uh, different way of, of processing, you know, a, a document of some sort or, or shortcuts or steps, but sometimes it ends up being something like something that they – <clears throat> they realized that they can do uh, personally something, a book that they read and they wanted to, to share as far as, you know, strategies for bettering, you know, sales strategies or, or to build better relationships uh, with customers or something of that nature. So from the bottom up, it, it's much harder. It always is much harder because you have to get our attention, right? Um, and by our, in this case, I mean, you know, they'd have to get my, my father and I's attention here in the office so that we can set that time. For, to have that communication. Um, the, the reason why it works from the top down so much is well, because it becomes an immediate priority. There's no, there's no question that if, if, if we as, a, as, as a, you know, leaders or owners of the business um, didn't constantly put out that call, and, and it's not, I'm not telling you this is something that happens every week. It really rarely ever happens when they choose to do it. But we're constantly putting out the call. Hey, does anybody want to take this time to have a conversation? And some of the conversations have been uh, about civility, about things that they felt maybe was going on or, or directions that um, uh, the office was heading um, that they didn't feel quite comfortable with. But we, we, we always have that open call. Um, so that people can have that opportunity. If, if you don't have a, a, a structure that, that, you know, is asking for it, um, you, you have to raise your hand that much harder. You have to shine that much brighter to be, in order to be able to get attention to the people necessary to make it a priority. Enjoy this. Um, I, I think your question was very spot on, and, and Alex always gives a very articulate answer. I, I just ride the coattail off his answer. Um, but I do agree. It starts with, you know, your culture and that culture does start, start from the top down. 
But then I, I will slightly vary that because at also it takes that bottom up approach as well. Because I, I think and Alice may you know respect this, you know, as much as we can give a you know a command or a charge or a vision or or whatever you want to call it from the top, man, it takes that person at the bottom to embrace it. You know, and and then to sort of work our way to sort of meet in the middle, if you will. You know, as a part of our culture, we have something that we say in our, you know, in our organization all the time. It says, you know, your title doesn't dictate, you know, your level of authority. It just, it just, it just dictates your level of responsibility. So therefore, you know, just because you're the front desk lady doesn't mean that your voice is louder than my voice because you may have a great opinion. It just means ultimately at the end of the day, something goes wrong. I'm just the person that they call. So we try to really preach that and teach that. And to Alex's point, we try to really encourage people to say, okay, find your voice, give us ideals, do whatever the case may be. So therefore we're not just being a top-down organization. But I also think there's there's accountability for both top-down and bottom-up to sort of work their way to meet in the middle, if that makes But the sense. interesting thing that you just said, Quincy, you set the tone, you set the tone in the culture for that to be accountability amongst everyone, if you get where I'm going. Because had you have not, you know, put it out there to your employees, yes, there might be a difference in responsibility, but everyone's voice matters to the same level, then that accountability amongst everyone may never ever um, have been have been um, assessed or put out there. So, yep. I guess we're... Can I, can I ask a mm-hmm. counter question? So if you were a part of our organization and you heard me say that from, you know, the head of the table, whatever the case may be, what would I have to demonstrate to you to show you that I actually believe? Ooh, what I, I just love said? that question. Thank As you for saying that. Cause I was, yes, thank you. So how that, um, actually I have absolutely no problem. And I, I would imagine my CEO would love the fact that I'm even putting this out there. So, um, with my current organization, working for um, independent insurance agents and brokers of America, one of the things that happened um, within our organization that heightened my level of respect for the organization was hearing some, or having our organization say something like that and bringing something um, to our CEO as an idea of, of how we could increase our workplace uh, environment and engagement amongst employees. And our very next staff meeting, he actually actually went ahead and put one of the ideas that I had out there. And another time um, when we had a, we, we never, um, throughout the time that I had been working w- with um, our association, we hadn't had a, a Per se, DNI training that was inclusive of all of our staff, where we invited everybody into a room, and that was something that I thought was a good idea, and perhaps we could do it. And not only um, was it well received, he and other senior leadership made sure they were there for that day. And those types of things allowed me to feel more accountable for speaking up because I knew that I was respected and my voice was as valued as anyone else's voice. If that answers your question. It does. Thank you. And I'll also say one other thing. So then behind closed doors, should someone 
ask about X, Y, and Z, whether it be someone within my organization or outside of my organization, where they're not quite understanding something when it comes to our diversity and inclusion approach or wondering where our leadership is because of those types of things directly happening, I am immediately and quickly able to, I won't say defend, because I don't want to use that word, but um, represent our organization accordingly. Because I have a, a, another level of respect, again, for the leadership and for our organization as a whole. Well, you know, I think as we as we kind of start to wrap things up here, the, the thing that I, I find fascinating, and I think we're kind of coming full circle here, and I think Quincy, you'd said it just a little bit ago, is I think we're slowly kind of forgetting what it looks like to truly respect somebody's opinion, even if it is different than ours. And this is just a quick pop psychology kind of thing on my part, but you know, if, if, if you kind of keep having that, that, you know, that feedback of, you know, the opinion isn't respected, that creates that, you know, that sensitivity to it, which then increases the incivility to it. Uh, is, is, is it as simple as just understanding that, listen, just because it's different, just because it's something that, you know, they might want that you don't want doesn't necessarily make it right, wrong or indifferent. I mean, obviously there are, there are certain black and whites, but have we just maybe lost sight of that? Joy, I'll just say, amen. <laughs> Because honestly, I think as a professional workplace and as a society overall, my, my, again, this is my own personal opinion. I think we have 100% lost sight of that. That fact that we can, as that phrase goes, I, I can, you know, we can agree to disagree, but still, you know, have a common workplace and a common civility. I, I think we have, as a, as a society, we have totally lost that. But it's funny because now that you say it, um, Joey, and and. And I and they go back to Quincy's question about if we're at the head of the table, you know what it is that we can do. And and I, and I don't know, Quincy, if you, if if you said that from a place of you know where I, I've been in a few times where you put a call out there and all you get are crickets, right? So you're 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 earnestly trying to create an environment where people can really try to speak their minds, and what everybody's doing is holding on to their. Uh, their positions for whatever reason. Um, and uh, I, I agree with, with you, Joey. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I think you're probably tired of hearing me say it. It's one of the reasons I love living in Miami um, because it's just so many different people from so many different places. And I love listening to, to the stories of what it was like, like wherever they were from or what their situations were like and, uh, and learning about different, um, you know, cultures and, and, uh, traditions and and um, and uh, and food and food has a lot to do with that too, um, but the I think that as a as a one of the things I've learned to try to do is to make sure that even though I get nothing but crickets, to continuously try to have the conversation. I agree. We sometimes forget how to talk. Um, and the more things get muddled in the, you know, the media, the, the outside world, you know, if there's, if there's, you know, uh, uh, whether it's, you know, what's going on with the, um, I don't even know what the current name for them are, but the, the 7,500 folks who are, who are, you know, uh, basically trying to get through, uh, Central America to come into the United States or whether it's, a um, Kaepernick and, and what was going on there with, with when all of those things become very, very heightened, it seems like we, re, we retreat sometimes versus actually engaging in conversation. And I think that takes practice too. We have to actively encourage 
um, um, the, our folks to engage in the conversations in a healthy manner. So we have that practice and we can, you know, come to that place where we can agree to disagree, knowing that the other person's not, their intention isn't to hurt us. It's, it's just their, you know, paradigm is slightly different or, 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 you know, life experience has been different. So we, we try to have that open conversation to be able to, um, find that place of where we agree and, and, and not necessarily focus on the, on the disagreements. My last question, and I don't know if I'm the only one that does this, and I'm curious how this, how you guys, if, if you do this or what it looks like, you know, just kind of in your world, but I kind of, I enjoy, you know, when I meet somebody new or just in general, like trying to find the thing that I actually agree with them or that we share in common and not, you know, focusing on that versus the things that we don't agree on and that we're different on. And it's like, all right, I got my kind of my list of like, hey, if it's not, if it's not sports, it's going to be video games or if it's not video games, it's going to be insurance or marketing or whatever it is. Right. I just kind of go down my list. Like there's going to be something that we're going to at least, you know, kind of be able to have a, a kind of establish a baseline on as opposed to just picking out the things that we don't agree on. I, is that something that you kind of make a, an, an attempt to do? And, and what, is, what, what is your list of things that you kind of go through the process? Like how, how, how far down do you have to go? How many things do you have to get down on that list to, to find it? And do we just not have big enough lists, I guess, is maybe the ultimate final question. Uh, for me, Joy, that's, that's salesmanship 101 right there. And I know Alice can appreciate that. And Whitney, and Whitney too, because she, she's out there, you know, doing a thing from a sales standpoint, you find commonality. And for me, and I'm probably giving away one of my trade secrets, but for every <laughs> convention, trade show, workshop, whatever I go to, most people always know I'm always going to talk about my kids and my family. Because for the most part, everybody I'm hanging around now either has kids or, you know, in the house, or outside the house. So it's a common, it's a common, easy conversation piece to have in the, in the start, you know, and, and to talk about your spouse or whatever the case may be and to go and to go there. I te- I'm like you. I, I typically don't try to lead with politics. <laughs> you know, I, I don't walk in asking somebody, you know, how big is your business? How much money do you make? You know, what kind of car do you drive? You know, um, you know, always trying to find out your, your favorite sports team, um, whatever the case may be. You know, weather is always a good one just to sort of break some commonality because, you can, you know, people are always jealous of Vegas and Miami weather. You know, just just saying, just putting it out there. Um, but, yeah, to your point, I, I think those are the things. And even though you know they may have some 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 differences of opinions and some different you know uh, viewpoints. I'm like you, Joey. You, you don't focus on those. Yeah, they're going to come up in conversation, or they may come up in in my responses or your responses. And I understand and I get that. But to me, that's just salesmanship 101. That's knowing your audience. You know, that, that goes back to Whitney's point when she made she gave her, you know, her uh, her example before. To me personally, and not trying to make Whitney's you know feelings for her. But to me, for that person to do that, that person did that intentionally. That was that was an intentional act, because you don't get to where you're at in that type of leadership and not and not know your actions are doing certain things like that, you know. So it's just being being conscious of your audience. And going back to uh, what Quincy's saying is, the more that you're able to find those commonalities, the reason why those commonalities are important is, as you gain more commonalities with someone it's almost as if your level of empathy towards them kind of increases, which then at that point allows you to care more or take a heightened interest. I won't say care, heightened interest, be a little bit more inquisitive about those things that might be different. So those areas where they might have a concern about something that maybe you 
didn't see that there was ever an issue, you're going to perhaps care a little bit more because you've now established a, a better rapport with this individual and you have, um, yeah, yeah you, have, you have more of a connection with them. So you're going to empathize a little better with them. And I don't think that there's a, I have a list per se, Joey, but I think that the, the fact that you're actively trying to do that is what makes the difference. So you, you, you literally just told us that what you do is when you're meeting somebody new is you have an idea of, of what you're going to try to discuss with that person. And you're going to literally move on to the next thing if the first thing wasn't a compatibility point. So you're not going, you're not, it's not just that you're looking for commonalities. You're actively choosing not to deal with the things that are going to cause friction um, or bring or, or a push on those particular issues, I guess is a better way of saying that deal. Um, because what you're, because you have an overall, uh, you know, the overall idea is, is to build some kind of a, of a relationship with the individual, whether it's in an elevator or uh, at a conference or, or building that relationship, you know, at the beginning of something that might be long-term, like, like inside an office. I mean, I love personally to poke at everybody's hate about winter and when that's 85 degrees in Miami. That is just something I love to do because everybody up north can equally despise me for it. <laughs> so, so go Going back, though, to incivility in the workplace, though, it's very, very important that as leaders, we don't take a hands-off approach to that type of stuff where we're more so just focusing in on what's going good uh, amongst employees and engagement. Um, I just want to put that there as we, since these are our closing words, but that we actually do make sure that as leaders um, within various organizations, agencies, um, associations, that we actually are that person that wants to hear or know those things that are per se um, not going well as far as um, civility is concerned and address them. Um, a study done by Account Temps and Fortune magazine reported that out of a thousand firms, so these are managers and executives from 1,000 firms, 13% of them spend their work time, which is equivalent to seven weeks a year, mending employee relationships and otherwise dealing with the aftermath, uh, excuse me, aftermath of incivility. So if we're able to address those issues from jump, perhaps instead of seven weeks a year, it might be a couple hours, uh, you know, a month or whatever the case may be and, and being able to get things where they need to be. <laughs> 